0: Hi, everyone. Julie Fowdy here. And Swaggy. You might hear her
1: with Lynn Oh. What's up, Lynn? Hey there, Julie. It's going well, but I'm actually wondering, how are you doing? Because I know you had a big weekend this past weekend.
0: Oh, my word. I'm still standing. I have a voice. Barely. Also barely standing. (laughs) It was so fun. It was so fun. Can you tell everyone what was going on? Yeah, we had all our old bags, as I like to call them, the 99ers, 20th year reunion. Raise your hand if you two are in denial. It's been 20 years. Yeah, so we had a reunion for the 1999 World Cup winning team, and 18 of our 20 on the team made it out to Los Angeles and all these other U.S. Women's National Team alumni from all these different generations, and we, of course, had the game, the U.S. Women played, and we did stuff with the current team. It was super fun. First time we've ever had a reunion for the women's national team like that. Should we give a shout out to Becca Rue? Becca Rue, who organized all of it players with the Players Association. She's rad. I gave her a shout out on the telecast as well. But, you know, I haven't slept much, and um, as it should be. And I feel like I'm back in college a little bit. But otherwise, I'm rallying.
1: I'm rallying right now, baby, because... Wait, hang on. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Before before we get to our guest, I want to hear some of the highlights. Did it feel like no time had passed?
0: Yeah, it was. It's always been seamless. I mean, we've never had all of us together like that as well. We get together in pockets and in smaller groups, but to have 18 of us together with kids... And chaos and family. And it was so fun to watch all the kids running around together. And actually, this is a great story. (laughs) We tried to actually go to a shot. We were telecasting it for ESPN. We tried to go to a shot um, where Kate Markraff is, one of my teammates, who was doing the um, sideline reporting. She was interviewing all the 99 team was on the sunset deck of the Bank of California, which is in the Bank of California, which is LAFC's stadium, the MLS team. And it's a beautiful Setting literally outside on this rooftop of the deck. It's so of the stadium. It's so pretty. Anyways, we were going to her live on the telecast and, and I was wondering why the camera didn't cut to her and they kept, she's like talking, but the camera's not cutting to her. So it turns out some of our teammates were in the background going shots, 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 shots and not <laughs> shots on goal, shots <laughs> down your neck, as in probably tequila. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) But you weren't even there. You were in the booth calling the game at the moment. Here I am working my fingers to the bone, and they're doing shots. Pretty fitting for that rowdy
1: bunch. Do you have a favorite moment? Does something stick out from the weekend?
0: I think my favorite moment is just how much I love that crew. They're so fun. It's just constant laughter. And it's like we've never been apart. It's like 20 years never happened, (laughs) or maybe that's just our fuzzy minds, but it's just such a good group of women who take care of each other and love each other and support each other, and now our kids get to know each other, and so I always say to them, you are stuck with me forever, my crazy biatches, because they are. Anyways, should we get to our guest? Yes. I was so excited to have this guest on because literally this guest has... Just come off a record breaking season and she's been home for two days and said, Yeah, come to my house and you can sit with us. Uh, I thought I could not love her anymore until I got to her house and I found out she is a fellow donut lover and kind of obsessed about donuts like me. So our next guest, Michaela Schifrin, ladies and gentlemen. And let me just give you a little bit of context about Michaela. She is. Already considered at just 24 years old to be in the conversation about greatest skier of all time, and this is why. She broke the record for most World Cup wins this season. Now, that was a 30-year-old record. It stood at 14. She won 17 this year, bringing her total to 60 World Cup wins. And she rocks it in six different disciplines, rare to be so good in so many disciplines as a skier. And she won four crystal globes this season. And for those of you who don't follow skiing, that means she was the best in the world at that discipline and you get a crystal globe. She also won the overall title, her third straight, and got even a bigger globe. And she's a three-time Olympic medalist. And as I mentioned before, perhaps on top of her list and should go on top of her resume, fellow donut lover. All right. So get comfortable listening. It's Michaela Schifrin. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's podcast is supported by your financial ally, Ally Bank. Because if you're paying for a service, you wouldn't accept anything less than great, right, Lynn?
1: Absolutely. Things like gyms, personal trainers, physical therapists... Uh, shin guards in your cards, case right
0: we research everything we, until sure we find the best shouldn't we do the same with our banks we tend to stay with whatever bank we've had forever not questioning it often putting up with subpar service low rates
1: but better is out there ally knows you deserve better and their mission is to be just that julie it's in the name they're an ally for your financial well-being
0: I get it with Ally, you'll get interest rates up to 20 times the national average and live customer care.
1: And get this, Julie. On average, women, we are paid 20% less than men, and therefore, we really do have to be even smarter about where we put our money. Money means having options to do things like start a business, quit your job, start a family Retire the way you want or leave a legacy.
0: And when you call Ally, you can chat with a real person 24-7, even on bank holidays, weekends, or during halftime if you need a little financial pep talk. They won't try to confuse you with fancy jargon and you won't get nutmegged by hidden fees.
1: The team at Ally actually cares about doing right by you and your money. And I think as
0: women... We don't talk about this enough, honestly. We should be paying attention to our money and where we put it. It's called Money Mindfulness. So go to Ally.com to find out more. That's A-L-L-Y.com. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Also check out another great ESPN podcast, Caught Offside, which is all about the beautiful game. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney break down the latest from the soccer world, everything from the U.S. team and English Premier League to the UEFA Champions League. That's Caught Offside. Be sure to give them a listen.
1: Kick back,
2: relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right, yet comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted.
0: never been to this store before and so i was this, no, telling this, the guy this
2: place is legit right <laughs> these are so good um, oh, and red velvet is really good that's one of my favorites oh, i'm good. always down for like a simple oh, with chocolate frosting i knew
0: i loved you you love donuts <laughs> i have a problem
2: i the first step is I bet i have it. i bet i have a bigger problem <laughs> 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 i'm gonna let you pick it first and then i will go in no oh. so no no, no please okay. like okay you take your donut. Lynn's like, okay. I'm not gonna start. Oh, sorry. You start. You, and then I'll go. Pebbles,
0: Lin, um, red velvet, uh, maple and bacon. Maple. This is supposed to be like an old fashioned with chocolate and cream
2: or something like. Should that. So we get three plates and just like split them. Yeah. Maybe. So we, we a can all great have idea. plates. You don't have great to. idea. So clap for
0: Michaela. already with the good ideas. <laughs> Look at it's like a a poopery oh, you of donuts. Know, yeah,
2: Okay, but you can rock, like, 100 pull-ups, I saw. <laughs> the most I've ever done is 14 at one time. Wow. But that was, like, the most ever. I could do, like, 10 to 12 in one set, and then I'll do another set of oh, back to the back. same or just a little bit less. And normally I'm doing oh. three to four sets. What? That's actually not normal. That's, like, when I'm fit during the summer after I've done it a while. Right now I'll do, like, seven At one time, and I'm still, I'm kind of, like, kicking. Like, some people might call it, like, a partial kip.
1: I've been working on pull-ups. I started (laughs) off being able to do zero. That was me, too. And I've worked, with I'm up to three now. Like, legit, like, overhand grip, I think it's one of the hardest things to do. But
2: you have to do letdowns. Because, like, if you can do three pull-ups, and then your last one... You do a letdown, super slow eccentric, because that's how you build strength the okay. best and the fastest. Then you go from being able to do three one week to four the next. Okay. fairly or,
0: comfortably. Or you just pound donuts and don't do any pull-ups at all.
1: Yeah, that's also that's, kind of that's also life. good. I, I could actually spend the next hour with you, Michaela, just talking, talking about pull-ups. Ups. Yeah. Okay, so Michaela, when we start our podcast,
0: we always set the scene. Michaela, set the scene. Take it away. It's all you. <laughs>
2: this is the scene. Um, is we're just laying in a pile of donuts (laughs) and pretty much literally, (laughs) but almost literally no, we're sitting at my dining room table in our, in our house here in Colorado. And it's a little bit, I don't know. I would say it's a little bit cramped. There's a lot of stuff going on. We just arrived home two days ago from like six months of traveling. So bags are like everywhere. In our house. We've got our stationary bike. Um bags and globes. <laughs> bags and globes. There's some there's, <laughs> good lord.
0: I wait, wait, just sit right there. I'm gonna take that photo right there. Me. I mean behind if you could only see this, I might have to push it out. There's like seventeen globes. How many globes behind? No, it's me? not
2: seventeen. <laughs> I think that that's eight. That's, that's eight. eight of them. Okay, crystal globes. We're gonna We'll talk have you post it on your
1: Instagram. Yeah.
2: yeah. Then people can it's like you're here with us. First
0: of all, bless you for, like, literally getting home two days ago and being like, yeah, sure, Jules, come and invade our house. You and Lynn are welcome.
2: How long were you on the road? Six months Six. straight. Essentially, I'm since October with one, about one week at home in November. But otherwise, it's been since October 9th. <sighs> I left home for Europe in October ninth ish like I said, got our like final on-snow prep for our first race of the season, which was at the end of October. And then I shouldn't be eating this donut and telling a story. At the same no, time. it's perfect. And I'm, I why am I the only roll. one eating donuts right now?
0: Where did that maple one go? Lynn, did you steal it all? <laughs> we ate know. it already.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so first race of the season was end of October, then huh? immediately returned back to the U.S. Um, luckily, I live in Colorado, and our early season... Training in November is normally in copper, Mm -hmm. so um, I can live, I can stay at home for that Mm -hmm. week that we're there. Mm -hmm. So we returned to the US. I had training in copper, stayed at home, which was great. And then we flew from Copper to, or from Denver to Levy, Finland for the first slalom race of the season. Um, And let me tell you, it is impossible to get the Levy from Europe, let alone from the US. (laughs) So we did that. So you like swim there or what? (laughs) <laughs> pretty pretty I mean, much. No. Well, normally the flights are you fly Denver to Minneapolis to Frankfurt to uh, Helsinki. You must then have to all this be, wired. It, well, no, we we don't really, but we're figuring it out as we go. We're figuring it out, and also fist the uh, the organize organizing body of all the races changes the schedule every year. So, for instance, normally we could go straight to Levy from Europe after the first GS of the season. So you go sold in straight to Levy, which is great because you're already in Europe. So that takes that. It makes sense. And then you continue on to the U.S. for the North American part of the tour. Mm -hmm. But this year it was like sold in Colorado, Levy, Killington, Vermont. So we went Mm. bounce back there. And then we went from Killington straight to Lake Louise. And then we went back to Europe for the rest of the season. It was it was a lot of. Do you fly
0: coach middle seats? Uh, no. Okay.
2: Good. <laughs> that's no. What I used to do. I I definitely I splurge on yes. I, I splurge on a lay flat seat and that makes a world of difference. Yeah. But
1: yeah, What kind of impact does that have on your body?
2: Well, the traveling in and of itself is kind of terrible. Like just sitting on a plane for anywhere honestly more than us 1 hour everything starts to tighten up. Um, But then the jet lag is also, for me, I think the jet lag is one of the most difficult pieces. Some people just don't even really have a problem with it. I'm
0: pretty good with it.
2: So there's different kind of tips and tricks that help. I think
0: you've got it pretty much down because... Let's go over this season. I'm putting my glasses
2: on for this. <laughs> I was just going to say. Can we say, just go over this season, please? I was going to just tell everybody serious. listening that you put on your glasses <laughs> and they look awesome. Thank you. I They're like the like forest green. They're super thank, cool.
0: Thank you. Okay, can we go over this season? Because yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to do it justice.
2: No, don't. You don't know. This took
0: up like a page, by the way. Can you just
2: read it in your most monotonous voice?
0: You shattered a 30... Should I read it in a British accent?
2: You shattered a 30... Can you... No, wait. Can you read it in the British Siri accent? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Siri, Mm -hmm. hello. It's like... No, it's just like... It's like a computer in a British accent.
1: You <laughs> I know what not I mean? do that. I'm sorry, McKenna. Totally Why don't you just type it out
2: on your phone and have Siri read it? Let me give you what you did this year. Okay. Shattered
0: a 30-year-old record in World Cup wins in one season. The previous record was 14 World Cup wins in one season. You won 17. This is to give all our listeners some context, <laughs> right? You won four Crystal Globes right behind you so literally you were the best in the world in four disciplines slalom giant slalom super g and overall that was your sixth slalom crystal globe a third consecutive overall world cup title there were only six skiers (laughs) to ever win four or more globes in one season half halfway done right now (laughs) you are the only skier to ever win four consecutive world championships gold medals in one event that would be
2: slalom and you did it while battling pneumonia. Some form. Said, it, was, it was undiagnosed, but I definitely had a demon inside of my lungs. Yeah. And you still won. Well. I'm not done. Thank you. Okay.
0: You Sorry. earned the most prize money again this year. More than even the men, which we'll talk about. I love that. First skier to reach seven <laughs> figures in prize money for skiing. And... Lastly, because I don't want to spend an hour just on your accolades, you are currently at 60 total World Cup wins. And if you keep this pace, you would break Denmark's record of 86 World Cup wins in the next two years.
1: And you just
0: turned 24. Michaela Schiffer, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Is this slow clap thing, like a thing that you do always? No. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Okay, so right now... <laughs> Just so you all know, right now they stood up out of their chairs and and got into a half squat, wide stance, half squat position, like mom dance in the kitchen kind of squat position, and started slow clapping together.
0: Oh, shit. I'm still setting the scene. Come on. Do you ever take a moment and go, I just did that in one season?
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure. You do? Good. I mean, on the one hand, I feel like, man, we really have to stop and, like, me, my my mom, who's one of my coaches. The rest, my the rest of my coaches on the team, really the whole U.S. Ski team, who's gives like is so supportive. We all have to stop and take a moment and like pat ourselves on the back and you know take some pride in that. But that, it's sort of hard to do that because like right now I'm just h- sitting here talking to you guys and it's a little bit difficult to summarize all the emotions, all the feelings, mm-hmm. all of the stress, all of. The triumph and and failures and everything that went into this entire season into like one, you know, sit down session, mm-hmm. you just can't like put it all, all together. It's a little bit. It's almost like impossible to really register what that all means. So I'm on the one hand, I'm like I'm very very proud, but on the other, I'm like ah, oh just let's okay, we did that, C- cool. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Well, because the other thing is is like every time I have, you know, my. It's, it's not necessarily like breaking other people's records, but it's like breaking my own records. Like last season was my best season. Well, this, not this past season, but the season before 17, Mm -hmm. 18 season was my best season to date. And I think I won 11 or 12 World Cup races by any stretch. That was more than I expected to accomplish. And then this season happened and I'm like, all right, like how do I, Top that. Um, and I, sometimes I feel like topping that is it's not even the right mentality. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily going to be going and winning more than 17 races ever again. Um, but you might. But, you know, I didn't think 17 races was possible before this season, and now it happens. So it's, it's sort of like, all right, just keep everything just keep working hard, keep moving forward. This season was amazing because I wasn't hung up in the race wins. Mm -hmm. I wasn't hung up in the records. I was really just trying to focus on my skiing and enjoying it because it it was a really stressful season. It was logistically, in some ways it felt impossible. Like I described how we went to Europe, and then back to the US, Mm -hmm. and then to Finland, and then back to the US, and then to Canada, and then back to Europe, and then we were bouncing all over Europe for the rest of the season. And the logistics are just, especially racing all six events, sometimes it's so mind-boggling. Like, I know that my coaches are trying to kind of map out the whole schedule figure out a way to make it work not only with races but also with training blocks in between mm-hmm. races and racing more events than the other athletes i have less time to train so for me if i have time that i'm not racing then i'm training and a lot of the other athletes do take that time to take a break mm. go home yeah and you do their laundry <laughs> <laughs> you know overrated that doing kind laundry. of stuff and many of them are training but they're also only training for one or two disciplines versus six so that's a different. go back to something you said oh. you said this season i didn't have any expectations oh yeah right i didn't I wasn't worried about outcome I wasn't worried about results. that's always been my maybe philosophy it's that's actually been like my entire my family's philosophy since I can remember, and it's just always been important to us to kind of focus on the work and mm-hmm. enjoying putting in the work and then you can enjoy sort of the fruits of what that work creates. But um, not necessarily thinking like I'm not standing in the start gate thinking about winning the race. I'm standing in the start gate thinking about skiing as fast as I can possibly ski and or as well as I can ski. And that Will translate into whatever result it does. Mm-hmm. If it's better than what the other girls did, then I'll win the race. And if it's not, then I'll watch the video and I'll go back and train and, you know, figure out how to get better. But this season it came together. It's, you know, it's tough to keep that mindset going when mm-hmm. everybody is talking mm-hmm. about the records. I have struggled with that the past couple seasons, right, right around the time when I started to get into the, I, I feel like, Maybe three, two or three seasons ago, um, there was one record. It was like eight slalom wins in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, people were talking about it. And the the race that I was able to either match the record or break the record, I didn't finish. And I was kind of – I felt like a lot of the talk and the chatter about that record did get in my head. Um, I did – totally let it take control like Mm. kind of bring in some fear into my skiing. And that's why I didn't finish. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, at first I was kind of relieved because I was like, finally, like they won't, they don't, they won't be talking about that record anymore. But, um, then I got so mad at myself because I completely like let those external forces dictate how I was feeling it was an enjoyable race. Like I was thinking, Mm -hmm. I mean, and from there on out, every race seems like there's been a new record. And this season, especially at a point, it became almost numbing, which (laughs) I actually liked Mm. because I have never been in it to break all those little records or in, I've never been in it for those statistics. So um, while it's flattering and it's, it's so cool to be in a position in my career where I'm even, you know, mentioned in the same sentence as some of the, all-time greats of the sport, that's not really where my motivation comes mm. from, or that's mm-hmm. not where my inspiration comes from. So when it started to become num- numbing almost, I was like able to push it out of my mind easier. Mm. And I remember a couple points during the season when somebody would say, throw out some statistic, especially, um, I think, breaking the slalom record that was held by one of my all-time greatest right. idols, Marley Shield. Right. And I was like, I don't want to break her record. <laughs> <What> <laughs> She's supposed to have that. But then I was <laughs> You're thinking... sweeter than I would be. I would be like, I'm going to crush it. <laughs> no. Well, I was thinking... And then all of a sudden I was like, I mean, for me, those numbers just are sort Like, at the end of the day, they're sort of a moot point. Okay, but
0: with all that you did this season and all of these records, to your point... Everyone is going to be talking about it every time you go
2: yeah. into a race. Well, that's great now because I'm used to it. Uh, so so you're able to so just be... I can block it out. Yeah. I ha- like, I've sort of developed tools to be able to block it out, which is so great because I would have thought that this season would have been my most... Maybe my most stressful season. And mm-hmm. it was probably from a logistical standpoint, just getting to everywhere. But... It was also one of my most I, – like, I enjoyed it a lot more, mm. I, and I enjoyed racing, specifically racing, so mm. much more than I ever have. Because you're
0: locked in on the process.
2: Right. Well, I'm always – I'm totally a training person. I, like, I just love going out and taking lap after lap on a course and – looking at my video and looking at my times and trying to fix things and picking a certain point in the course where I'm like, Oh, I think I can ski this turn faster. Mm. And then I, if I do it, I execute it. And then I see the times actually faster like that. It's so, it's really, I don't know. It's tangible. It's really, it's like doing a puzzle. And I I love that. I'm not like a huge puzzle person, but I love that. I don't know. It's, I've always just been like, okay, I'm going to get through this race and then let's go back and train. Mm. And this year I was kind of like, I love training. I love racing. It's all great, which was cool. With skiing, the
0: thing that fascinates me the most. It, with other sports, say soccer, for example, you know everything's pretty much the same. The fields are the same size. Yeah. The grass is the same. Yeah, right. Those you variables may have to, are yeah, fairly controlled. The variables are controlled. A yeah. pool is pretty much the same. Yeah, skiing and this really. Yeah came home to me in Pyeongchang, (laughs) I was like, holy Um, shit. Yeah, the wind. I mean, the wind, the cold, the variables, the snow, the snow being different every day, every Mm -hmm. mountain being different, how steep a a mountain is. I mean, all of those things. Yeah. Which is why it seems it's so hard to be consistently great in skiing. Yeah.
2: Yet you've managed to be consistently great. I mean, obviously I love ski racing and I I love skiing, but it is truly one of the most intriguing sports because – there are so many variables and you can't just train a certain pitch or a certain condition or whatever you can't practice on a clay court because you have a clay match coming up you, you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: you kind of have to just go out there and train in everything and the more variables you can get under your belt in a in a preparation period the better it is. I don't know there like you said there's a lot that, there's a lot of there's a lot to deal with. And the, how do you you can't control you be, that though?
0: How do you be consistent?
2: I mean, when they're that
0: inconsistent,
2: everybody's dealing with the same variables. I think it all comes down to the training, I, I guess.
1: A light bulb kind of went off over here because I'm I'm a novice, not even a novice when it comes to skiing. <laughs> Certainly a sports fan. I am, too. <laughs> I I think you have a little bit more understanding of skiing than I do. <laughs> so you kind of wonder what makes you so dominant, and to hear you talk about how. Race courses are all different. Yet you love to train. Yeah, you're obviously getting an advantage over other skiers. Yeah, if I'm able to
2: handle more training than my competitors, then by definition, I'm getting exposure to more variables and conditions and everything. And my kind of that expands my mental game because if I feel like I, yeah, confidence. If I feel like I've seen a condition or a pitch or Um, a specific combination of gates in a course. And then I go see something in a, in a race. Like you're never going to, it's almost like a snowflake. You're never going to see the same pattern. But if I've seen something similar, then I can be like, Oh, well I know how I skied this in the training course. So maybe I can kind of apply that to this course. And I think that'll be faster.
0: It must be so mental.
2: I think there's a, there is a lot of mental, but for me, it's like the, 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 Physical preparation and the mental toughness go completely hand for in sure. hand. So when people are like it's only mental, so you just need to work yeah. on your mental game. I'm like, I don't care who you are. If you haven't if you don't feel prepared on your skis and you get into a race, you're going to be nervous. Yeah. And if you're not nervous, then you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> so take me to that starting gate. There
0: has to be a little bit of fear, right?
2: Yeah, and for me there's definitely fear. Some athletes say they don't have fear, and I don't know how you couldn't i i also feel like fear is just another way of saying you have a healthy respect for what you're doing self-preservation a little bit yeah (laughs) and yeah like you live to fight another day if push comes to shove if i feel prepared then that fear it's just a very very manageable level Um, so that's also where the training comes in is Mm. i just it Mm -hmm. makes everything more enjoyable if i feel like i'm prepared But there's always fear, especially when I get into the start of a a Super G or a downhill, and I'm thinking, like, I'm going really fast now, and this is, it's still, even with winning the Super G Globe this season, it's still fairly new to me. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, this is going to be fast. Like, get yourself prepared for that. Like, psych yourself up a little bit.
1: How fast are you going? In downhill...
2: It's somewhere, it's kind of between, like, 75 and 85 miles an hour. Good
1: Lord! <laughs> uh, essentially. Essentially. So skis.
2: Um And then in Super G, it's a little bit less than that. It could, I mean, it ranges, but top speed's probably around 65 or 70. GS is, again, shorter distance between the gates. It's a little bit slower, but it's still probably in the 40, 40s to 50s. Mm. And then Slalom is probably around 20 to 30.
1: You face fear every time you step into the Stargate, and I'm just so curious how that translates into other parts of your life, because I'll never experience going 80 down crazy, steep incline, but I certainly feel fear in my life at times.
2: Yeah. Everybody feels fear. Yeah. Like
1: raising my hand to do this podcast, I had a little bit of fear mm-hmm. in me.
2: Well, I feel like every time that you feel a certain kind of fear, it trains your brain to understand that a little bit more and next time you face something that scary it's just a little bit less scary Mm. um so that's one thing so you remember like this is how i feel right now but it's gonna like it's gonna get better and next time i'm gonna face the same situation it's not gonna be nearly as bad i also think that like when you feel fear a lot of times it's because you're trying to process the big picture about something like you're trying to process everything at one time and if you Break it down and you focus on like step by step. For instance, in a, in a race day where I might feel on, un, an uncharacteristic amount of fear or, you know, jitters or something. It's like, if I just kind of forget about the race and just focus on, okay, I'm going up the chairlift now and listen to my music and put your mind somewhere else. Okay, now I'm taking my warm up run and this is what I want to feel my ankles and knees and my ski boots and I want to feel like how my skis are reacting under my feet and you focus on that moment. And so when people are like, live in the moment, just don't, don't plan for the future, just live in the moment. And I'm like, well, that's, I mean, that's, I don't think that's really what that means. (laughs) It's just being able to be present with what you're doing. It's not like forget about the future or never plan ahead or never be prepared. It's just, okay, this is what I'm doing now and like focus on what you're doing some things are a lot scarier than others, but if you just kind of break it down into pieces, then that makes a difference. But did you guys by any chance watch Free Solo? Yes. So I that just was watched it. so interesting. The part about his amygdala and how it takes so much longer for his amygdala right. to even come into play. Right. That's sort of like, if we were to go on skis together and you might be like, this is terrifying for me. And I'm like, this is normal for me. Well, that's because it's normal for me. So your amyg- amygdala is like, lit up and Mm -hmm. thinking you're this you're out of your comfort zone but as you do that a couple more times it's then you you get to the next level you you know what i I think also i found helps is being okay with
0: that jittery feeling by doing you learn that okay those butterflies are actually a good thing
2: right it means you care and so that that is there's like anxiety which is for the most part destructive but then there's just a little bit of like a healthy respect and some jitters for what you're doing. And that's, that's good. And the more, it's also like people think you can't perform if you're nervous, but you're actually, most of the world is probably performing under some form of stress Mm -hmm. or nervous or jitters or something like that. So you just, you learn to have that feeling and to compartmentalize it, and then to channel. do what you're doing, yeah, channel, yeah,
0: channel it in a positive way. There was a woman who worked with our national team, Colleen Hacker. Mm-hmm. I call her Flash because she is like a flashlight that like beams light into every place in your world. Right? You're like, That's oh, awesome. after you're with her, you're like, oh, thank you for that. Yay! <laughs> but I went to her. She worked with our team. She was basically our mental skills coach, and I would go to her and say, "These butterflies, like they're driving me crazy." I said, "I hate them." I hate him. She's like, don't hate him. To your point. Like that means you care. Yeah. You're invested viscerally, emotionally. And that's a great thing. Now just teach them to fly in formation.
2: Yeah. I was like, oh,
0: how do I do that? Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds great. How do I do it? And then she had these like strategies yeah. for us. You know, We're, that, mm-hmm. that like, you know, I wear a hairband. I still do. Or on my, mm-hmm. my wrist and literally in the game, I would snap it, physically yeah. snap it to kind of like just, physically remind you to
2: mentally snap out of
0: it. It just and it works.
2: It just gives you a little bit of a something. It told, yeah, you can totally train your brain to,
0: mm-hmm. to channel your Brain's it. a
2: very malleable thing.
0: When you're skiing and you, you feel it, it's, it feels like you're turning perfectly. What is that like? And for someone who maybe doesn't ski, like what's the
2: analogy? Um, oh my gosh, it's, it's honestly, it's one of the greatest feelings. It's kind of a similar feeling. If you're, you know, driving and you kind of take a corner and you're going into it, like you're able to just accelerate through the corner. Mm -hmm. For me, the best way I kind of, Think about mm-hmm. it is like is this ball of energy and like every single time you make a turn you have a ball of energy that your skis kind of your skis are just meant to produce force and produce speed if you use them the right way so it's this ball of energy you have and if you hit a turn in the right way and you hit your apex and you are able to take acceleration through that turn that ball is just growing and the energy is just getting bigger mm-hmm. bigger but it's the a most amazing feeling because e- like either it explodes. And you you make a mistake, you lose all your speed, you crash or something, or you just kind of keep, like, controlling it. and it turns into
0: a
1: crystal ball.
2: Or it turns into (laughs) a crystal ball (laughs) if you you. control it all season long.
1: (laughs) Are you chasing more of that feeling, even more so than records, per se?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the feeling. Like, that's the reason I love training, because I can just work on how I'm able to control, like, find speed, control that speed, control my skiing. When I look at the globes or... Even the records, the only reason that is important to me is because it's just symbolic of like that feeling that I get and the reason that I love to ski. Fast forward a little bit.
0: Talking about the Globes and the records, you're going to be going into the next Olympics. And we go back to this no expectations, Mm -hmm. no results. But how do you do that when all eyeballs are on you, as you know, at the Olympics, and it comes down to one race? One day. And you don't control any of those variables, as we saw in Pyeongchang.
2: Well, I think that probably the biggest lesson or the most important lesson I learned from um, South Korea was that you, in a sport where the variables are pretty much uncontrollable anyway, and it's all being thrown at you at at one time, um, the Olympics is even more uncontrollable, Mm -hmm. like you said, because it's one race. Like... The Olympics can very much be one-off luck,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and a globe can't. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why globes can often be almost more meaningful, because it's it's a symbol of so much more than just a single race day.
0: Mm-hmm. But we're also a country that is we're obsessed, a- with, obsessed with the Olympics. Yes, Right.
2: So on one hand, I feel incredibly lucky that I already have two golds um, and three Olympic medals to my name because that was something that there's so many great athletes in sport who don't have any Olympic medals because it's like a one-day event and you can't just it just doesn't always work out there's sometimes everything's just kind of stacked against you and it doesn't work out but the way that I see it if the variables are like somewhat controlled and you know you don't have like 80 mile an hour wind gusts while you're racing for instance themselves <laughs> um you know if if everything's just kind of what it would normally be then it's just another race it's it's another world cup race and i like it's not like i'm skiing down the course and i can see all the people who are watching they're behind the tv they're on mm-hmm. the other side like the other side of the world so in some ways like the way you can feel it is maybe through social media or through me or just media in general. Um, the kind of post Olympic medal media tour is just that. That opens your eyes to how big it is. But in the race, in the starting gate, doing the run, it's not like I'm seeing all these little eyeballs watching me. You know, I'm just kind of focused. It's the same thing. It's just focusing on the run.
0: I'm fascinated with your ability to not. Be um consumed
2: with expectations, which is so healthy. There's a difference between goal and expectation. Like expectation is sort of the thing that makes you feel an unnecessary amount of disappointment. Whereas goals goals are the things that drive you. Yeah.
0: So you keep oh, your goal you keep your
2: goals lofty, really, really lofty. Like be ambitious and set your goals and dreams really high and keep your standards high. Keep your standards high for you know the people that surround you, your your standards for your, the way you act, mm. the way you train, your work ethic, all of these pieces. But the expectations have no place there for mm. me. That's they that's just don't because that it just what you walk away feeling like a failure right. if you don't meet this expectation. Especially with success comes higher expectations, and at some point you just can't like live up to that. But that doesn't mean you are a failure. Well, and uh, and on top of that to be heralded
0: as the greatest of all time already. I mean, most people hit that towards the end of their career. The greats, right? So you look at thing. the different sports. Michael Jordan, right? Uh, yeah. LeBron. I mean, they they were at the tail end of their career. And, of course, they were great during it. But you, in, in what feels like, still, you just turned 24. You're already heralded as the greatest.
2: Right. But under the assumption that I keep going on this trajectory, which I'm perfectly aware that it can stop at any time, especially if I spend too much time, you know, sitting on the couch reminiscing about this last season, or eating donuts. During or the eating. Podcast. Well, you know, donuts. <laughs> I think I think donuts are always always a good thing. Thank you, Michaela. Um, God, I love you. As I found
0: another one.
2: No, I mean the the greatest of all time thing is sort of like well if you were to just throw a statement out there and opened it up to the entire population who knows ski racing at all if you were to say Michaela is the greatest of all time and somebody some someone's going to say Ingemar's the greatest he still has 86 victories mm-hmm. someone's going to say Lindsay's the greatest because she had she came back from all of these injuries and she there's always a reason why there was someone else great mm-hmm. and why they're a legend so i'm sort of like i don't need to be part of that debate because i agree with all of it mm-hmm. you know I don't necessarily see myself as the greatest of all time, but I do see both Lindsay and Ingemar being able to hold that title. And one doesn't take away from the other. And if I'm able to kind of keep going this way, then maybe I'll have some claim to that title as well, Mm -hmm. but not over any one other person.
1: Does it make you think at all about how you want to carry yourself through your career, even off the ski slopes knowing that you are going to have attention on you
2: yeah I mean you know one maybe one of the greatest honors of like being in this position right now is that there's young athletes out there who actually are inspired by what I'm doing uh, maybe they even look up to me It's super cool because it was not very long ago that I was looking up to my idols on the World Cup um, thinking you know I want to get there I want to, I want to be one of the best. I want to be the best in the world. And then, so now there's a whole nother generation of athletes who are thinking the same thing because of what I'm doing, because of what my competitors are doing as well. It's really cool to be part of that. You know, I've been on the other side of that generation and now I'm at this point, but I'm still also like, I still look up to kind of my idols in the sport, even some of them, those who aren't racing anymore. And I'm still kind of, I still take inspiration from that the way that I did when I was like five years old or 10 years old or 13. But I do think like maybe I'm more aware of sort of my appearance or how I conduct myself, my attitude, and always trying to be as true to myself and true to my beliefs as possible because, yeah, people are watching and they're specifically looking for me to do something like fake or specifically looking for me to change with maybe some increase in spotlight throughout all of each year that it just kind of increases and your dancing just gets better. <laughs> well, I I love it. I I really I like to dance and I would love to be able to be like a really good dancer, but it's it's I fun want to be
0: a singer i do too on
2: broadway <laughs> let's well, do it i yeah let's do it <laughs> we can have a broadway show come on i've always wanted to be on broadway what's the title Two minor details what is your
0: um bring your earplugs <laughs> <yeah. laughs> microphones optional sound optional
1: <laughs> we've been getting a lot of nice feedback on twitter about the podcast not to toot our own horn, but we did get one Twitter comment because we do this little thing at the very end of the show where oh, Julie God. and I both sing terribly the title sing. of our podcast. Oh, do you have like a tune that you sing it to? Yes, we
2: have our own song. By the way, Michaela,
1: can I you know sing know. it for me now? Well, and someone, get comfortable listening, <laughs> <It's> laughter <laughs> permitted. Yes! And someone on Twitter said. The last part of the show makes me cringe. Oh, <laughs> cringe and, it, and it's probably what? the like most accurate Sounds tweet like we've kids. had about the podcast. If you're not podcast. cringing through the whole
0: thing, something's wrong with you. The thing that I think was freeing for me, too, and I, I hear a lot of it with you, is soccer wasn't my end-all, be-all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I loved it and yeah. and loved being around the teams, but I always knew, like, when I retired, there was something else I could go on to, right? Yeah. I had other interests. And, yeah. And I get that same sense with you. Yeah. Like you love skiing and you love the training and you love the process of it. Yeah. But you have all these other interests.
2: Right. Well, and it's not just, it's not like I love the sport of skiing and I love ski racing. Like I've talked a lot about the feeling that I get when I'm skiing and the whole like putting the puzzle pieces together to become a better skier every day. That's something that translates to really every other part of life as right. well. And the work that's sort of like the grueling annoying frustrating part of the non-glamorous side of the sport which is really like (laughs) 99.9% of it is also something that I've grown to love so that like you said that's it's not the be-all-end-all it's not like ski racing it's this portion of my life that I'm so grateful for, but it's also maybe a little bit of a springboard. Already it opens up different kind of avenues of where mm. I can move in the future. And then I might end up doing something completely unrelated to ski racing that I might've done if I was never a ski racer and I just went you know, straight to college. Or I might end up doing something that's still involved with the sport. And I do think it's a dangerous thing for athletes to get ca- so caught up in their sport that they they feel like they have no identity outside yeah. of it. Because ski For racing sure. or sport, that's not your identity. It's you make sport. Sport doesn't make you. Yeah. T- to me, it's what you do. It's yeah, not who it's you what are. you. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you get too caught up, and all of a sudden, you know, and you retire, then it's like mm-hmm. this. Yeah. It's terrifying. And, and no matter what, retirement it's be to scary. me it was like, oh, yeah. i am got to go on and do
0: something else. Yeah. I can't wait
2: to retire, actually. Yeah. It's going to be a, so fun. I think a lot of people do feel that way. And then I think a lot of people feel like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I could see it being, like, kind of a scary thing. It's like graduating from college and feeling like, all right, now that the last... Mm-hmm. Totally. However many years of my life I've spent in school, and now I actually have to use the tools that I learned to do something. <laughs> you're, like, you you're like, can't I work? just go to school for the rest of my life? I actually had
0: that feeling. Uh, this is fascinating to me. I have a lot of things that I'm fascinated by in the skiing world, but that you earn more than any other skier out there. You win seven figures with prize money
2: and that is equal pay. Yeah
0: for men and women. I did not know that.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. Slow clap no, again. Don't, again. Do don't. don't do it. Don't oh, do oh. it. No, they're standing oh, in the oh. awkward white stand squat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Come on. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. High fives all, all right. around. Um, yeah, well, ski racing. And I think it's been for a while now that the prize money has been equal men, male to female. But the last, I think it's the last three years or at least the last two years that I have out-earned the men partially Mm -hmm. because of my results. It's just equal. And the opportunity is there. If if I have more success than my male counterparts, then I'm going to earn more, which is really, really cool because you kind of, you put in that work, you have the success and then you have that confirmation that it's, that it was real, that it was there,
0: which makes me go to the next question. Like, why haven't. Other sports caught on to this. I mean, some, I mean, why is it so hard some to get... Sport,
2: I think surfing is this way now. Yeah, they just changed. It is a really important topic because... Well, probably one of the most difficult things to me about sport and about prize money is that it's so de- completely determined off of revenue. It feels like this just uphill battle because the fact is that if it was just equal work... And equal pay, like it it seems so simple and I know there's all these intricacies about it, but I feel like what's going on right now, especially like women's sports teams taking a stand, mm-hmm. even that in and of itself is creating interest. It's sparking a movement. You know, there's a long way to go in order to get
0: equal, equal prize
2: money or equal pay, but at least you're Increasing interest. At least there's a conversation,
0: and you know what's interesting in the soccer world is it's global. Like mm-hmm. you see that with what our U.S. women are doing yeah. is having an effect globally on other women's players, where they're standing up and saying, right. "Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> this right. doesn't seem right." Right. And I and it's taken a long time to get right. there.
2: And what you need, like you need to, you need to get the interest. You need to bring people in. You need mm-hmm. to people need to look and be like, you know, what we want to watch these sports. And we want to watch the women playing them, not not just the men. Because there's this conversation, it's co- sort of bringing a, a, a population in that maybe wasn't there before. And that, in and of itself, I hope will help because it just brings more and more people part of the conversation. That's something you can't ignore. There may be a lot of things about ski racing that are a little bit like stuck in the Stone Ages. <laughs> but that is such a progressive part of the sport, and I'm so proud to be part of it.
0: What grounds
1: you in all of this? My
2: parents. Mm. <laughs> totally. My parents and my cat.
1: What's your cat's name?
2: Muffin. <laughs> Muffin. Yeah, yeah she's. She, her name is Muffin, and she looks like she ate too many muffins. <laughs> it didn't make sense. You sort of she the with you? No. Oh, oh my gosh. Muffin. She would terrorize everyone. No, she's great, and she's great with us, with our, with our family. My brother and I begged for a cat, and she's 12. Four, i think she 's fourteen years old now um in human years we begged for an animal, and my dad had cats growing up. he had a cat named muffin, so technically she 's like muffin junior or muffin the second or whatever but, muffin the second yeah my mom wasn 't super excited to have a cat at first. she ended up liking my mom more than any of us. <laughs> And now my of course, immediately my mom was like, oh, you cute little fluff ball. And she like snuggles up next to her and just sits down next to her if we're watching TV and just like takes her paw and puts it on her Aww. leg and just like lets it rest there. And, you know, in the eyes of a child, there's nothing more painful than seeing your pride and joy, your pet, <laughs> attached to the one person in the family who didn't want them. <laughs> She no. didn't even want You're you. Like, she's <laughs> mine. How dare you? And I think a part of me has blamed my mom for that ever since. <laughs> I'm glad we could get that out today. <laughs> Lift that off your shoulders. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what are the major lessons that your parents have taught you?
2: Um, They've taught me my work ethic. Hard work probably is the first thing. They've taught me my whole philosophy or mentality about enjoying the process of putting in the work and Mm -hmm. learning about what I'm doing versus just the instant gratification piece of it. Like feel joy in the little wins along the way, because there's, I mean, okay, I have 60 World Cup wins, but how many runs of ski racing have I taken in my life? So when you think about it that way, I'm like, oh, that feels like a really small percentage um, based off how much I've actually committed to the sport. But I don't just take pride in winning races. I take pride or I take find enjoyment in the whole process of like going out for a day of training and feel like I made a breakthrough or just getting faster run to run. Those kinds of things give me almost as much excitement as winning a race. And they totally taught me that. Yeah, they taught, taught me to, no matter what I do in life, first make sure I'm passionate about it, that I'm, that it's going to give me some form of fulfillment. But do it well. Like, do it well as well as I can. Don't just kind of <laughs> like half heartedly get through it and then.
0: I want to go hug your mom
2: right now. I know. Seriously. I like, think you... she's going to cry soon. Aww. Are you crying, think <laughs> <laughs> No. She's not yet. She's like, no. She's writing an email. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm writing an email. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> Mom. Oh, because do you know how
0: many kids <laughs> are totally consumed in the results and almost Every yes, single year. in Yes. And that parents <laughs> don't.
1: I think do enough of that of
2: saying they don't eat enough
1: donuts
2: <laughs> they clearly don't and that's probably the issue
1: <laughs> well I can relate to it I loved how enthusiastic you were when you celebrated the fact that I can do three pull ups it's like it takes you know it takes a lot I of totally, work well, yeah. okay.
2: I was definitely at a point where I could not do a single pull up for <laughs> no. most of my life and then when I started racing actually probably one of my biggest successes <laughs> since making the US ski team <laughs> sorry Sorry that you guys can hear me me chewing my donut. (laughs) I'm so Um, happy that you have
0: the same love of donuts as me.
2: (laughs) every i feel like everybody my love looks, has just, no bounds for you you know the people who are like i don't like donuts
0: i know and i'm I like know. we're not we I can't don't be like friends you. Exactly. my strength
2: coach is sometimes like well i don't eat donuts that much i know he enjoys them when he does eat them and i force donuts on him i'm like eat this now and then i take an instagram of it and i post it and he's like everybody's making fun of me for eating donuts while you're working out i'm like you know what it's an important part of my life you need to enjoy it too we need to, like, this is something we need to share. <laughs> um, Wait, quote of the podcast. Part of, like, I'm going to Well, you look don't at like
1: donuts? I don't like you. Exactly. While Julie is chewing <laughs> a donut and another uh, what bite. What were we
2: talking about? Um, pull-ups. <laughs> pull-ups. Oh, pull-ups. Okay, so no, I could totally not do a single pull-up. Um, I made the US ski team, and I told my strength coach, I told him, I, this has not a lot to do with ski racing. Because it's not generally an arm-intensive sport. There's there's pieces. Upper body strength is important.
1: That was
0: my first thought when you were talking about pull-ups.
2: Yeah, it's not like... You don't need to be able to do a pull-up right. in order to be a good skier right. or a good ski racer. But I was like, I can't do a pull-up, and I want to be able to do pull-ups. That is an important thing to me. <laughs> and I actually got it. No, I got it from watching some of the, the women's soccer team training. I was like, oh my gosh, they're so ripped. And... Like look at them doing. Their cores are strong and their arms are strong. And look at their calf muscles. And so I would like go into into the gym when nobody was around. This is in high school. I'd go into the gym when it was like no one was there, and we had the whole mirror wall. And I just turn around and do like calf raises and walk. I'd, I'd like look at myself in the mirror while I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely getting it. That looks great. Um, <laughs> And then I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to go do a pull-up. And I'd just, like, struggle and be like, ah, and I'll get that later. Um, No, so I we came up with a whole plan, and that's where we I learned about the eccentric letdowns and um, Mm -hmm. how important those are to help build the strength. And, yeah. You've inspired me. I'm going to start doing pull-ups again. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, Lynn, what's your game? Lynn always comes up with great games. Is it rapid fire? Because I can't do that.
1: Today's not rapid oh, fire. Good. We're bringing back a game that we played with Simone Biles. Oh, this sounds fun. In which she crushed... Uh-oh. Miss yeah. Foudy over here. God. It's called Generation Gap. Oh, God.
2: Oh, I bet you're going to beat me. This sounds no. like something I'm not going to get.
1: No, this is, I'm terrible at this stuff. All right. Each of you will represent your own generation. We've got Julie with Generation X. Michaela, you're representing millennials. the Millennials. Sweet. I'm going to ask a question that's related to one of your generations. Both of you can try and answer it, and you will squeak in. Oh, what do you want? You get to choose your squeaker. Oh, wait, I'm the pig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so good. What is this thing? A blue dog? Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, I got the blue fuzzy. I'm going to call my blue fuzzy Muffin. Uh, oh, That kind of looks like Muffin. I know it's
2: a dog. Oh, Excuse
1: you. Michaela, do you want oh. to describe your squeaker?
2: Oh, yes, from these donuts. Do that, uh, my time. My squeaker is uh, a, a big, I don't even think it's like a pig, it's like a boar. It's orange, and it makes this sound. Okay,
1: <laughs> here we go. All right. All right. What is it called when a person disappears suddenly for no reason? Ghosting.
2: Oh, come on!
0: <laughs> she hasn't even finished it! <laughs> And Michaela said she was gonna lose! I'm already pissed! That's because I ghost people all the time. <laughs> Seriously, you hadn't even gotten to half the question!
1: Ghosting. It also could be defined as what Michaela's going to do to you, Julie, after this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bye! <Squeeze. laughs> Ghosting
1: julie never heard of her thanks what kind of car was in back to the future
2: oh my gosh god
1: you and your cars
0: lynn last time it was night riders do you know the night rider car no but
2: i know the back to the future car i just don't know what it's called like
0: what kind of like make
2: a delorean oh you're looking it up a DeLorean with the with the yeah with the with the car doors that come up and it was mm-hmm. um. I also win because as a millennial I used my technology to help me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one more time, Julie. If you don't get this one, I have lost faith in you completely. Um, shoot. Here we go. You've
0: just caused my. <laughs> butterflies to fly out of formation. Because <laughs> you said I should get snap this. Your band. <laughs>
2: snap your snap, band. Snap my band. Ask the question. Bring it.
1: <laughs> a woman famously asked in a fast food commercial, where's the... <laughs> you not get this, Julie. Where's
2: the... Um... Is this geared the... towards millennials or Gen X? Where's the beef? Yes! Oh.
1: Yes! <laughs> Woo! I got it! It's like that's not too obvious. <laughs>
2: I didn't squeeze in. Where's the beef? Where's this from? What generation?
1: Where's the beef is from probably mid-80s. All right. All right. Are we done? I won. No. If you win the last one, you're only as good as your last wait, question. Wait, a couple a couple more. <laughs> what TV show is Drake on before becoming a famous rapper?
2: I have no idea. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Definitely not. Is that right? That's a great no, no. TV show. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, Did you know that Mark Wahlberg was part of a rap group before? Yes. Can we change the question to that? Yes. You, it won't be <laughs> Mark in the fun. Yes. I, just, I just was going over that with my kids. I knew that one. I'm we just, just made a know. question adjustment. I, I played my question <laughs> adjustment card and won that as well. Since this game has zero rules. I made one. I just know I'm down three to one. This one's for four points.
1: This one is for all the points. What does YOLO stand for?
2: You only look Oh, the I, I said it first. I said it first. I knew that
0: one. I knew that one. I'm so proud of myself. I'm just proud of myself for knowing that one.
1: Oh, man. Mikayla with
0: the win. I totally he, forgot to squeeze. <laughs> and then she just screamed it up. <laughs> Rule breaker. Okay, last Before two segments, rules. and then we will let you have your life again. Most pressing questions. Are you ready? Sure. Last show you binge-watched.
2: Game of Thrones or Mm. Stranger Things.
0: Oh, I heard Stranger Things. It's It's so so good. good. It's
2: so, and it's just made for a binge because all the episodes come out at once. So it's just like, here's your season. Watch (laughs) at your discretion. Is is it kind of dark? It has humor. It has a little bit of sci-fi. It's intense. It's kind of drama. It has a little bit of thriller. I wouldn't call it to the level of horror, but there's like, it's strange, but it's amazing. So I'm not super, in- I hate horror and it's not scary enough to scare me, but it's like, oh my gosh, what happens next?
0: Okay. Guilty pleasure.
2: Probably sugary cereal. Well, no, donuts, Did you eat donuts donut? aren't a guilty pleasure. I don't feel guilty eating donuts. Either. <laughs> Did you eat the Fruity Pebbles one, by the way? I have eaten some of it. Would yeah. you like some more? Look at, we pounded those donuts. I'm really proud well, of there us. There are nine no. in there and they're almost all done. <laughs> Three girls, nine <laughs> donuts. No problem. God, that's so beautiful. One person, something you always have to have when you travel. I mean, I would say like probably my technology, my phone. But I also like I always travel with a blanket that's super soft that I actually got as a Christmas present from one of the um, one of my friends slash competitors on the World Cup. But one of the Italian racers, um, Manuela. I stayed at her and her brother's apartment building over Christmas a couple years back and they gave, like, as a Christmas present, they gave me this little white blanket that's super soft and I just bring it everywhere now. Oh, you have your little blankie. You have my little blankie. That's cute. Yeah.
0: That was nice of them. Yeah. Your dance moves on IG. Where did these dance moves come from?
2: Everywhere. The inspiration comes from everywhere. From everywhere. From everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> um no the shuffle dance is something i've been seeing on instagram i've watched so many shuffle dancing videos that it just comes up in my explorer feed and then i just <laughs> watch more so my explorer feed is shuffle dancing videos interior design and uh kittens meowing like <laughs> newborn kittens day old kittens meowing that's great you should watch that it's hilarious they're like Like they can't even, they open their mouth so big and they strain so much. And it's just this little peep of a sound. Okay. Our last one. High, low cheer. We
0: do this around our dinner table with my kids. They're high of the day. They're low of the day. And someone that did something nice for them is their cheer. We're going to do it with your career. So you're high of your career, you're low of your career and someone you cheer for.
2: Start with high. High of my career. Probably this podcast. Oh! <laughs> out. Wait, wait, wait. you can't hijack my my oink. Oh, oh. I'm doing the one leg squat now. Oh my god! <laughs> that wasn't a one. That was like a honky tonk dance move. <laughs> oh man! Of course, this podcast this is podcast. okay. Low would be any other time besides this podcast. podcast. Clearly. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> obviously, And oh, what was man. the other? Cheer. Well, I mean, I'm always up for cheering family. Yeah. And you are just big with piece. Nana. I was just with Nana. She's just an angel. Like, we were going to bed the last night that I was um, visiting her, and I climbed into her bed and climbed under the covers with her and was, like, snuggling up next to her. And how old is she? She's 97. She started just kind of talking, and everybody who's with her, she just says the most positive thing that she can say Mm -hmm. about that person. And with family especially, she's like, you are the most precious thing. I feel so lucky to have such a precious family and such amazing times and so much to be proud of and happy about and i've been so lucky in my life and she is like talk about somebody who just shines light into the world into any part of your life she's one of those people
0: 97
2: yeah she's
0: rocking it too she's
2: She's rocking it well thank
0: you my dear thanks for spending the time that was fun i hope everybody
2: else enjoyed it as much as i (laughs) did and
0: this I (laughs) guy's name fred When I was re-listening to the podcast, um, I hadn't heard something she said when we first did our slow clap and we started dancing. I forget what the first slow clap was for. but <laughs> She goes, no, mom dancing. And <laughs> that might be like the second or third person that's told me that in like the last three days that I am mom dancing. I was like, okay, is that a sign? I think that's a sign I'm a really good dancer. I think. Oh, dear. That was fun. How nice of them to let us into their home right when she returned from all that chaos and the season she's had.
1: Their bags were literally not even unpacked and they let us come over. I know.
0: (laughs) Really, really nice of them. And then Lynn wanted to get a haircut for Michaela because Michaela, maybe you don't know this. She cuts hair as well. God, the woman can do everything. She cut Eileen, her mom's hair, and her mom's hair was in the cutest little bob and curled up. And I said, who curled it? She's like, Michaela, she likes to do that stuff. I'm like, oh my God, what does this woman not do? So did you get a haircut?
1: No, she didn't have time that day.
0: Then she invited us over for another week. No, I'm just kidding. She's done. She's ghosting us. She's done with us.
1: Okay. What was your takeaway, Lynn? My takeaway, I really appreciated Michaela's answer about how she handles fear, and you talked about it as well. I just thought the strategies that both of you gave were really helpful, and I actually have re-listened to that part, and it's something I'll take with me. And of course, I will be working on my eccentric pull-ups. I already have, in fact. So when I do get pull-up number four under my belt, I will be sure to tell the world.
0: (laughs) Be sure to tell our dope village. My takeaway was she was so wise and mature. She just literally turned 24 and she had these thoughts. I mean, her whole answer about goals versus expectations. It was like on the edge of my seat, just soaking it in. I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Right. To have the level of maturity she has mentally at 24 with all the pressure on her, that's something athletes work on for an entire career. It's so hard to get to that level. I feel like I just got to it in my 30s with soccer. So she was so, so impressive. All right. Those are our takeaways. We'd love to hear from you. So hit us up on social media. We've been enjoying all the comments. I'm at Julie Foudy. On Twitter, Instagram, hashtag at laughter permitted. We love hearing from our dope village. So let's keep it growing, shall we? As we close out the show, a big thanks to Kate Diaz. Slow Claplin. and a Julie Faddy Sports Leadership Academy alum. Yes, she is for our awesome theme music. So go check her out on Spotify. Go support Kate as well. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe. Tell your friends, family, anyone else for that matter. Could be a good conversation starter. Who knows? And as always, remember, sing it along with us
1: kids. Laughter permitted.
0: Thanks, everyone, for taking the time to listen and to our supporters. So one last shout out to Ally, because the fact is only 8% of people trust their bank. Get that, 8%. And yet most of us never bother looking elsewhere. Money means having options, and that's another fact. For example, options to start a business, quit your job, start a family, retire the way you want, or... Simply leave a legacy. Ally knows you deserve better, and their mission is to be just that. As a woman, I think this is something, honestly, we don't talk enough about, and we should all be paying attention to our money and where we put it. So look them up. Ask your friends. Ask your teammates. Check out the online reviews, because when it comes to your money and everything you've worked so hard for, your house, your car, your future, are you getting everything you want? Or are you merely satisfied? Give Ally a call. When you call Ally, you can chat with a real person 24-7, even on weekends and holidays. For more information, visit Ally.com. A-L-L-Y dot com. Ally Bank. Member FDIC.